Resolving Disputes. I'm Ben Chapman, a patent attorney at Cartmills and Ransford, and today I'm joined by my colleague Ingrid Omley, a solicitor who works in our dispute resolution team. Today we'll be talking about intellectual property disputes and the role of solicitors in that. So, Ingrid, welcome to the show. Um, so before we start, could you just give our audience uh, an overview of what your role is at Cartmills and what you do? Of course, thanks for uh, thanks for having me, Ben. Um, so my name is Ingrid Omley. Uh, I am an associate here at Cartmills and Ransford. I am a qualified solicitor. So my role here at Cartmills, I uh, I'm a bit of an oddity <laughs> in that I uh, I I straddle both uh, DR and trademarks. So I do about a 50-50 split of contentious, mostly patent litigation, and then the more day-to-day trademark prosecution work and trademark uh, various uh, smaller trademark disputes. Mm. Um, You say you you straddle our trademarks team and our dispute resolution team. So what does the dispute resolution team at Cartmills do? So the dispute resolution team uh, mostly work uh, on patent disputes. And that can that goes across uh, pharmaceutical litigation. That is a big chunk of the work that the team does. It, uh, but we also cover all manner of intellectual property disputes. There have been design dispute, copyright litigation, trademark litigation. It really is uh, a very varied practice. Mm. And of course, a lot of the clients that we act for in the disputes teams comes from the clients that the firm already has on the uh, patent side. So that gives us well access to very varied clients. I mean, what does a patent dispute look like in the UK court then? Depends on the case. So for example, let's take a, a pharma case. You, We act for many of the originators in uh, in the field uh, of pharmaceuticals. So what might happen is that we have a client with a very famous or very well-known and innovative drug that is covered by a patent. You then have generic companies who might uh, come up with their own generic version of, of that particular pharmaceutical and try to bring that to market. Now, obviously, if our our client's product was still within the term of the patent, that is not something we would be very happy about. And we would then advise our client um, on how we could enforce that patent against generic competitors that might uh, might try to take uh, take advantage of our uh, of our technology. Mm. Um, so, in many cases, uh, it really depends on the value of the product in question i think it's quite well known that litigation can be very expensive so most of the time our job is to try to resolve disputes in the most cost effective way for the client that we can and many times that will involve reaching a settlement resettlement with the other side or the would-be infringer but sometimes that isn't possible and that is the point at which we would take the case we'd file a claim with the court 
that would go through the various stages. Sometimes it reaches trial, but sometimes it will settle before it ever gets there. So it really, um, it really depends. I suppose this is why we're always keen to call it the dispute resolution team, not the uh, dispute instigating team. <laughs> the goal no, is to, to close things down. And so solicitors at Cartmills are involved quite early on in this process, I suppose. Yes. So as a solicitor working in a firm, you really would be the first port of call for the client when they have a concern. Let's say that they spot a uh, an infringer or a competitor doing something on the market that they think infringes their IP, whether that's a patent or a trademark or their copyright. They would come to us. They would give us, uh, tell us what they know. We would then look into it and then give them our advice on what the next steps should be based on what the law is, what the commercial reality is, the evidence that we have and and the cost sort of cost benefit analysis of going after the infringer. So yes, we really are the first first protocol for a client when um, when something's gone wrong mm. or when they want advice. <laughs> <laughs> and that's if we're working with a client who holds a patent and is looking at people who are infringing. Now, the other side will have options available to them, I suppose. They, they can say that the patent is invalid or indeed we might be approached by people who are trying to invalidate patents. And that can be done through the court as well, right? Yes. So that can be, that is uh, often done through the courts. And I think that is something that you as the holder of an intellectual property right must always be mindful of. Because if you go after someone for patent infringement or for trademark infringement, if you are uh, the recipient (laughs) of a claim, of course, the first thing you're going to do is look at that IP right. And mm. the most common thing that happens is that you will find uh, a counterclaim seeking to revoke the patent or holding that the trademark is invalid, whether for lack of use or uh, for the fact that it should never have been registered in the first place because it wasn't distinctive and so on. So that is always something uh, to keep in mind and be mindful of. And that is something that will go through the court system as well. Yeah. And unlike some places like Germany, where different courts will hear the infringement and the validity side of the arguments. In the UK, the same judge is going to be sat there listening to the arguments on validity and on infringement and all at the same time, typically, if it eventually goes to trial. That is correct. So I would certainly say that that is one of the advantages of the of the UK courts in that it's all heard together. But of course, that can add that can add quite an interesting dimension if you're litigating uh, a pan-European dispute because what you argue, for example, in a in the English courts where um, validity infringement would be heard together, if you have, for example, a dispute in Germany and Spain that's coming a bit later, what you say one place will affect what happens in another in another territory and you can get decisions at different times so it's all um it's all very strategic and very Mm. interesting and i think it's quite uh a unique dimension to patent litigation as opposed to copyright or trademark or designs because there's a similar right that's replicated in lots of different countries that have their own court systems and will be working at different timelines 
Exactly. And this is part of your role as a solicitor as well, I suppose, is advising clients on that bigger picture strategic stuff so that they know how it's going to interact with other court systems, how it's going to interact with other cases that might be going and with their broader commercial interests. Absolutely. And I think that has definitely been the biggest learning curve for me. Um, I think it's it's one it's one side knowing the law. And of course, as a solicitor, that's obviously something you need to know is the law. But I think what you gain with time and experience is this strategy. Because mm. once you've seen one dispute play out in the courts or once you've acted on one pan-European enforcement project, you get a lot of experience. And there's this sort of... Um, would I call it a soft skill of experience? <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it's just knowing how these things uh, play out and knowing the things to keep in mind when you're advising a client, which just aren't based in the in the black letter law. So I think that's um, that's incredibly interesting, and it's um, I wouldn't say at this stage in my career that I'm the sort of main strategic brain, but it's incredibly fascinating to work with uh, two very senior partners who who have a lot of experience in these things. Uh, and absorbing that knowledge and learning. I think that's one of my my favorite aspects of the job. Yeah, it's really interesting. Isn't it? I do feel like there's often these cases where there are very many intricate moving parts from all different parallel uh, actions happening around around the world. And the UK might be an important part, but one part, nevertheless, that bigger picture got to make sure it all meshes together absolutely as someone who was inspired to pick up chess after watching the queen's gambit i feel a bit that you know you make uh, you move one of your pawns and that can have ramifications that you might not have thought of um at the time so mm. it, it keeps uh, it keeps you on your toes and it keeps things uh keeps things interesting <laughs> so the dispute resolution team at Cartmills takes the lead with uh contentious matters in the uk courts but us patent attorneys are involved as well. I was wondering if you could give us a sense of how the solicitors and the DR team and the patent attorneys and the technical teams work together. Absolutely. Um, this was uh, one of the first things that I uh, I really gained experience with when I joined Cartmills from a traditional city practice. Because when you are litigating a patent through the court system, for example, if you are alleging that someone has infringed that patent, what will happen is that that patent will be scrutinized by the court and every single word and claim will be analyzed and you'll be trying to argue as best as you can, well, this is what the claim says, this is what it covers, this is what it protects. So, What's quite unique is that we as solicitors, obviously many with technical backgrounds, some without, will read this patent and we will we will analyze and provide expert reports as to to what this patent covers. And what's mm. what's quite unique is that as solicitors, of course, we can do that, but the patent attorneys, you're the ones who write <laughs> the patents. You are the ones uh, with the the really deep scientific background who can um, help us interpret these documents. So that's really valuable because it means that when we're putting our case together, 
that we can call on the patent attorneys in the firm to help us, if needed, help explain the patent, help explain some of the science behind it, um, and help us in, interpret interpret the claims, help us with research. And that's that's very, very valuable. And certainly for someone like me who doesn't have a science background, that has been really invaluable. Yeah, it's interesting you say that. I mean, I'm a patent attorney and a lot of the people we've talked to in this series have been patent attorneys. And to get into uh, intellectual property through the patent attorney route, you have to start off with a science or technology degree. Um, but you, you've kind of come to intellectual property law through a different route, Ingrid. I mean, I was wondering if you could just give our audience a sense of what your qualification route was and your education and background and that sort of thing. Yes, Absolutely. So I think it's, uh, I guess it's worth keeping in mind that there are different different forms of IP. This is sort of what is termed the uh, hard IP, which is your your patents, and then what is called um, your your soft IP, which would which would cover your designs and your trademarks and your copyright. So uh, for me, I studied law at university. I I did a law degree at the University of Sheffield. And after I graduated, I I wanted to do gap year, and I have always been interested in languages, and so I moved to China to study Chinese for a year. And during that time, I uh, obtained a placement at a, a specialist IP firm, mm. and as part of that, I was able to. Uh, I went on some interesting. I went on some raids. I worked with a lot of uh counterfeits and that sort of thing and it was just that around the time of the Beijing Olympics so there was a lot of ambush marketing and a lot of buzz sort of around intellectual property protection around the Olympics and I found that so fascinating it was a bit like playing detective and tracking <laughs> <laughs> tracking counterfeits down and um I always remember that experience and it really made me think about this whole world of brand protection that I, I didn't really know existed. So when I came to do my training contract, I I really wanted to train in a firm that had a strong IP practice, which I did. And I spent about half my, half my training contract in the IP team. Um, I also did a contentious seat in the dispute resolution team there. So I also knew that I really liked contentious work, mm. but I wanted to work in IP. And it's quite fortuitous that there's a strong intersection there because a lot of intellectual property work is contentious. So uh, that that is what sort of led me uh, down the route of IP. So on qualification, I, I moved to Cartmel's, which at that point already had a very strong dispute resolution team, but was looking to grow that further um and during my training contract the majority of my work was contentious but i worked on many trademark disputes i worked on design disputes um i worked on some of the trademark prosecution work and i always thought because well i i don't have a science background i will never be able to work on any patent dispute i i'd sort of hadn't considered that as an option for me Mm. But then it sort of so happened that due to some team absences, my first week at Cartmills, I was thrown into a 
a big patent dispute. And that was uh, a very steep learning curve. And as I mentioned before, I was very grateful to have uh, patent attorneys to help explain some of the technical terms to me. But yeah. uh, gaining that experience, I sort of fell into the world of uh, pharmaceutical patent litigation, which now for my DL work forms the bulk, <laughs> bulk yeah. of my work, really. Um, and that has been really interesting. I suppose that's the advantage of being somewhere where you have lots of patent attorneys around who can bring their technical knowledge and you can bring your, your legal knowledge and your, your knowledge of contentious matters. Absolutely. And I, I, I think it's, well, it's one piece of advice is that for anyone looking to get into intellectual property or who think they might be interested is that don't, don't cut yourself off because you think you don't have the right qualification. Obviously, to become a patent attorney, if that is something you're interested in, you need to study science. But I think science, like most things, it is almost like learning a new language. And the more you do it, the more confident you get, the more experience you get. And you just have to stay open-minded and curious and willing to learn about a new field. And you'd be surprised at how much you can uh, you can pick up. So as you mentioned, Ingrid, um, before you came to Cartmills, you were a, a general city law firm. And, you know, you've come in to Cartmills where we're very much a specialist intellectual property firm. Uh, how, how have you found that difference? Well, it's all, uh, all been very, all been very positive. Obviously, you, you have lawyers at the top of their game in, in all city firms. But I think having at least from a solicitor point of view, having access to specialist patent attorneys in a patent dispute is just invaluable. It really mm. does mean that, I mean, I'm not sure how other firms do it, but I certainly know that in uh, being able to go to a patent attorney who has the technical background and technical knowledge to ask questions, um, in some cases about patents that they've written to say, well, why was it written this way? What was this intended to cover? I think having that knowledge and support, uh, well, it just allows us to do, I think, produce a better product. And I think the way that patent attorneys look at patents and patent law, it's very different to how a solicitor might look at it when you're litigating a patent and trying to tear it to shreds. Mm. And it's quite, it's quite, it's interesting. I think it's really valuable to have people with very different approaches and perspectives uh, work together on a project. And I mean, the same goes for having the trademark attorneys and the trademarks team, having a specialist transactions team that just deals with IP IP contracts and transactional work. I think it's just having specialists mm. just all <laughs> under one roof in a building. It, it, it's very valuable. Um, and it just means, at least for me, I feel like I'm learning from, not to sound too cheesy, but learning from the best every day. I think it's uh, it's really good to have all that knowledge under one roof. Um, and I think that's definitely one of Cartmel's competitive advantages. I, I'd say, and I think it speaks to the fact that a lot of um, traditional city firms are now trying to copy that patent attorney, patent attorney solicitor model. Yeah, I mean, I, I've been inv involved in a in a few 
contentious matters as well now since I've joined Cartmels and I do find it really interesting working at the sharp end and I think otherwise you might miss out on that as a patent attorney because you're not working closely with with solicitors litigating the patents. Uh, it definitely gives you a a deeper understanding of how the patents are eventually going to be used and I think it definitely goes the other way as well. You learn so mm-hmm. much as a patent attorney seeing the process of them actually being litigated, seeing what happens, seeing the amount of scrutiny they come under, which I think maybe you don't realise during the patent prosecution process. I feel like it's made me a better patent attorney having had these opportunities to to work with the dispute resolution team. Certainly made me more careful with my work, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> no, it's interesting you say that and it's uh, it's it's absolutely something I I think about as well on the on the trademark side it's sort of i think it's easy to 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 do the work to to get the trademark or perhaps patent filed and then not think about it but of course it has a a real world use it's an insurance policy you think you might never have to use but when when you need it you want to make sure that you have a good insurance policy yeah well thanks so much for joining me today uh ingrid there's been a really interesting chat and hopefully a an interesting insight into the world of dispute resolution for our audience as well. Um, before you go, I've got one final question, which I ask everyone on the, on the show, uh, which is just, what's your favourite part of your job as an IP solicitor? Ooh, favourite part of my job. I would say that it's the variety. Mm. Uh, the variety of a job that is really what drew me to IP in the first place in that no patent or trademark or design or copyright dispute is the same it's all different clients with different problems and it def- it keeps it keeps the jobs interesting so i'd say i'd say variety variety well um again thank you so much ingrid and uh, and thank you for listening to discover ip um, I hope you'll join us again soon for some more insights into the careers that are out there in intellectual property. So please do subscribe wherever you usually get your podcasts. And if you want to find out more about a career in IP or you want to get in touch with us, then you can contact us at recruitment at cartmills.com. Mm-hmm.